happy 30th anniversary to Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. Yes, Jim and I are here to talk about Goodfellas. It was released September 19th, 1990. It went on to be one of the greatest gangster movies of all time. Why considered one of the best movies of all time. Um, it was, it was of course, directed by Martin Scorsese. A screenplay by Nick Pileggi with uh, Martin Scorsese assisting. is based on the true story of Mafia Turncoat, Turncoat. Mafia Turncoat Henry Hill, as told in the book Wise Guy by Nick Pileggi. Um, have you ever heard of uh, My Blue Heaven, Jim? No, what's that? My Blue Heaven is supposedly a movie that came out the exact same year Goodfellas, and it's based on Henry Henry Hill's life in Witness Protection Program, which I did not know and I've never seen, but now I kind of want to. Um, so it's this the movie infamous to Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Sequel. Um, it stars, of course, the legendary Robert De Niro, uh, Ray Liotta, not quite as legendary, equally legendary Joe Pesci, l- legendary Lorraine Bracco. And uh, legend, I, I'm really talking shit on Mr. Ray Liotta here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Paul Sorvino as Polly. If you want a Polly played right, you got to get a Paul. Um, mm-hmm. Man, I've seen this movie probably five or six times going into it. And it's been probably only two or three years since I saw it the last time. I can't remember why, but I, I do remember um, watching. I think I, I think I caught it like 15 minutes into a cable run. Uh, a couple years back on a weekend and okay what what channel are we talking like what time of day too no i think i think it was like a premium is a premium okay. i got i got to see the fully unleaded or the fully fully leaded version of goodfellas Good. but um you you come in at the young henry blowing up i think that's a scene i came in him blowing up that car lot i'm like what am i gonna walk away from this movie right now come on yeah uh i love this movie it's great uh what do you think jim yeah, no, it's it's one of the best gangster films of all time. And, you know, it's funny because you look at Martin Scorsese's catalog and it's full of these kinds of movies, right? Like uh, the these sort of like anti-hero movies, um, specifically gangster films in a lot of cases. I, I don't think anybody does it quite like him. I, I was I was looking at, you know, the, the gangster movies I've seen and just thinking about, OK, what do I what do I feel about all the the spectrum of these gangster films? Cause so many of them are so much alike um, that it's interesting. This one kind of stands out to me, you know, as much as like a Scarface does or um, a Godfather does, but they stand out in different ways. This movie stands out. I was trying to compare them to like directing styles to uh, the characters in this film. Like Martin Scorsese says he has this, his movies are Tommy Whereas like Francis Ford Coppola's gangster movies are like a poly, right? It, they're, they're just like, they move a little slower. Uh, uh-huh. They're not taking quite as many risks, uh, that sort of stuff. Here, like Martin Scorsese is pulling out all the stops, right? He's using all these tricks of filmmaking to get you in the headspace of this lunatic who's surrounded by other lunatics. And I love right. it. Yeah, and I I've um, read the Godfather book, and I've seen all the movies, and I've se- I've I've listened to the director's commentary, and I know that uh, Coppola really took the craft seriously. But man, mm-hmm. when you read some of the behind the scenes stuff here with Scorsese, um, it he he kind of seems like the Stanley Kubrick of gangster films, where he's yeah. like personally tying Ray Liotta's knot because he wanted to make sure he's just like the wise guys that he grew up with, and he's. You know, um, d- doing all this behind the scenes uh, and, and encouraging it in all the actors like, you know, uh, 
um, supposedly Robert De Niro was calling Henry Hill seven, eight times a day, like mm-hmm. asking questions about like, you know, how did, uh, uh, how did Jimmy Poore's ketchup bottle? Like if he's shaking a, 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 a ketchup on a hamburger, like how would he do it? And Henry Hill like, this- in witness protection at that time. Let's not forget. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, just, just like all this insane, crazy detail. And like he did, um, there's a lot of improvisational, um, quality to this and i guess that's why the fucks this is this i remember when this came out like this was widely decried as like one of the coarsest foulest movies uh it averages 2.2 fucks per minute nice half of them um half of them made by joe pesci apparently in the original screenplay there's only like 60 fucks in the whole film and the majority of them are introduced by joe pesci just running his mouth yeah. Uh and and using it as punctuation which I thought was great. But like it seemed like one of these things where like it was a real labor of love and they they took you know we we keep on hearing this like creative struggles for example the the famous one shot of uh, them going in the back door of the club was set up because they couldn't get permission to film the front of that bar and 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 get in the front. so uh Scorsese decided to just make a fucking meal out of it and it does exactly the effect he was hoping it was which is like yeah. you you feel being you feel like you're Karen being brought into Henry's world and you're seeing all of the glitz and glamour and how just impressive it must be yeah that uh, might actually be my favorite scene in this entire movie uh, it's really good it's really good it's, and there's a lot of one takes because Cecily kept on saying like ah oh, that's the famous one or like when you go <laughs> and you're seeing all these different gangsters like oh there's Frankie No-No's and there's Tim, T- Tommy uh, Two Times and I'm like oh no it's not the one it's not the one um, and when you finally get there it's yeah it it, it, it just lands yeah it, it, you know he Scorsese's able to like I don't know effectively portray this life um, in so many of his movies because he I think intuitively understands the romance of it. You know, like there is an allure to this lifestyle that this movie in particular, I think brings out like you've Mm -hmm. got things like the Irishman, which he did recently um, that like has bits of that, but it doesn't have the same vibrancy or something uh, that this movie has the same energy that this has. You, you feel like when you're young Henry Hill and you're seeing these guys across the street and you're seeing all their cars and they're letting you park them and you're 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And that that idea of just like being able to do anything you want is so ingrained. Uh, he understands it so intuitively that when he makes a movie about it, it almost feels like it's a documentary uh, in some yeah. ways. Yeah, he really understands the power of fantasy. But on the other hand, I thought while I was watching this, this might be the least amount of glory put into a glorification of gangster films because yeah. it essentially, the glorification in my mind stops during Henry and Karen's wedding. Like that is the high watermark of the movie and it's literally all recession and stinky fish smell uh, of a of a beach uh, low tide from, from there on. Uh-huh. And... It's weird because you're right. He he shows like from his young man's perspective who, you know, he's living in this small house with five brothers and sisters and a dad that beats him. Um, how glamorous and amazing this lifestyle and how like impressive these guys are. But then when Karen comes in, she kind of like serves to take off that gloss a little bit and be like, you know, look at these. Look, look how bizarre these lives are and how garish everything is. And they're all insular. So no one is there to tell them you're wearing too much makeup. Your skin looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Your style is bad. Your children are brats. 
uh, like no one is there to puncture that bubble and be like, this is all fully insane. But then she gets corrupted and she gets forced into that same mold and eventually becomes essentially just like him. Yeah, uh, that's what I love because Henry Hill would be an easy character to um, not feel a lot of sympathy for because he's, you know, enamored with this lifestyle at the beginning. But then you look at Karen and, and she's the one who has the change throughout this, right? Like she's the one who gets lied to about what she's getting into. Mm-hmm. She sees she's taken in by this attractive, well-off, well-liked guy uh, who's just, you know, flashing everything. Uh, and she sees that and thinks, okay, well, this guy, you know, is is uh, someone, who, someone I, who I want to know. And mm-hmm. he lies to her about what he does. And by the time she figures out, like, oh, this lifestyle actually has huge drawbacks, she's already in it. And there's no way out of that kind of life. I wonder because there is the scene in the movie where he beats the holy hell out of her neighbor. Um, one, yeah. one of the most. In, I remember the first time I saw that movie, just being like, "What the fuck!" Um, and when he goes back with that bloody gun and's like, "You know, hide this." She even says, "Like, mm-hmm. that's the moment where, like most of my girlfriends would be like, nope, I'm not hiding the gun for this guy. This is shady as shit. This is crazy.'" But she's got a little bit of that, like Walter White. Uh, yeah. Uh, the switch that's kind of like you know most people would go the the right route and some people just take the left detour and they show henry's kind of same way you know yeah um they have that thing where they can flip the switch and see the way everybody else lives as suckers and losers and chumps and the way to really get ahead and live is to do this way and i mean i i do think it's um it's the least glorifying glorification of a gangster film of all time. But having said that, the only consequence that Henry really faces is that he gets returned to mortal life. Like that's his punishment. Yeah. Like you were a god, and now you're you're a schmuck. You yeah, were don't... a good fella and a wise guy, and now you are a schlub, just like everybody, every other fucking taxpayer out here. And yeah. That's not like the more I watch the movie, the less like the less satisfying. It's kind of like Wolf of Wall Street. Only, you know, uh, there there is no like, hey, it actually gets better. I'm actually back connected to my, but but it's, it just feels like the the punishment is not nearly appropriate to the many many crimes and lives destroyed in this film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh do you want to have anything else? Just kind of general chit chat, or do you want to start talking about this movie? Because I got my notes organized in like the epochs of Henry's life: uh, boy Henry, young man Henry, uh, Henry at the height of his powers, prison decline, late stage. Prison Just want to go. Uh, yeah, prison let's Henry. maybe talk about some of the the awards. I guess that it. Oh yeah, won or didn't win. Uh, it went up against Dances with Wolves, which was a monster that year in the Academy Awards. Um, it, it got nominated for six awards, Best Supporting Actor, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Film Editing, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actress. Uh, only Joe Pesci won for Best Supporting Actor. Who did uh, he go against? He uh, that that's that's that... a good question. I don't have that information at hand. Okay. Um, yeah. But Dances with Wolves won like four out of the other five, uh, and I think right. Whoopi Goldberg won for Supporting Actress. In Ghost. Uh, in Ghost. <laughs> you know, uh, I wonder if I I bet if I go back and watch Dan I don't I don't know. Everyone I, I've seen Dances with Wolves, I think, once and I saw it as a teenager, and you know, uh I remember being kind of impressed with it, but I can't imagine 
I can't imagine that 30 years later, this Oscar looks, that Oscar race looks legit, you know? They're like, yeah, Dances with Wolves might be a, a fine movie and it showcases the, the modest talents of Kevin Costner, but like this movie is a landmark. Modest like talent. it's a top yeah. three, it's a, a top, top three gangster movie of all time. Easy. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, Siskel and Ebert are with you on that. They both gave this movie best of the year, uh, that year. So that's it, good company. Yeah. I, I don't know. It I didn't get maybe the acclaim that it should have gotten. Um, but it, it made some pretty good money at the box office. Uh, it was a $25 million budget, which actually was Scorsese's largest budget to date. To, to that date. wow i was just thinking that's pretty modest for the star power they got and the like you know yeah. anytime you see uh period piece stuff like the set design the costuming everything just balloons ray Liotta's wardrobe alone i'm sure was like half the budget <laughs> sure sure uh yeah 25 million budget and then it made uh <laughs> it's hilarious domestically it made 46.8 million internationally it made 282,000. But Damn. it only it only opened in Australia and the UK um, on like thirty theaters each. Uh, oh, I, you said I thousand? Know. I thought she's meant million. I was like, oh no. my god, the world's got a huge appetite for American excess and gangsterism. No, okay. just the opposite. Yeah, it doesn't have a huge barely appetite made any. Um, so Interesting. I don't know. It's thirty fourth most popular uh, movie in the box office that year. Wow. Uh, then, speaking of the costume budget, I, I did see that like. Um, for Jimmy, uh, Robert De Niro, he had a custom watch and pinky on a pinky ring ensemble for every one of his costume changes in the movie. <laughs> like a coordinated, dedicated set. Like it's like, come on, that's like fifty grand right there. I don't yeah. know how many how many trucks they had to rob to get that wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that that's that's it for the awards and the the budget and stuff. And yeah, it was a pretty successful film all around. I think that this movie does a really good job of telling the story. Um, I think, I guess Godfather does it too through like, you know, Michael Corleone explaining to his, his girlfriend, um, you know, at, at his father's wedding, kind of like the life and why people get into it and all that kind of stuff. But like having Henry just narrate, you know, why the mafia is the way it is. Like yeah. this is uh, an immigrant population that didn't have a lot of recourse to the official um state apparatus for protection and security in fact for you know a lot of the a lot of the italian american experience is the exact opposite um like any other immigrant po- population america opened them with open arms um and and uh, police nightsticks to the skull mm-hmm. so the the mafia stepped in and and it's almost like um the way I understand it, it's like they essentially duplicated the network they had in the old country, like the exact same type of pay protection money that's still like, I, the, you know, the, the Italian mob is not anywhere where it used to be in America. Like, you know, they, they, they passed several laws like Rico among them just to crack down on these guys. But I understand like in, in Italy and, and Sicily, that stuff is still going strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like just the way he walks through why the mafia is the way it is and how it works and how it's seen by the population, I thought is just really fascinating. And uh, this this young Ray Leota kid gives such a great like kind of winning performance. He's a good looking kid. Seems like he's bright and sharp. Um, that's why he gets used a lot. That the, the his voiceover about like you know. Um, you can do anything you want as he's fleeing like a, 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 a car lot that he's exploded is just such a great visual. 
And they got um, a good likeness of Ray Liotta in this young actor. I don't know who he is, but it looks I don't, quite a bit like him. What'd you think about the, the kid Joe Pesci? Like, I feel like they fucking cloned Joe Pesci and aged that clone up to be about 17 years old. And I don't maybe even like, hey, Joe, uh, suck this balloon full of helium down and do some ADR for us. I couldn't. Be- he's only in the movie for like two scenes and he's got like three lines. But this kid is the spitting image of young Joe Pesci. Utterly, utterly convincing in the role. Nice. I didn't even uh, notice him. That's on me, I guess. But I, I think it's interesting how they, they get these kids into the life. Like, you know, first you're just, uh, um, you're just watching the guys' cars. Like, you know, they're parking in the streets. Uh, mm-hmm. No one's going to sit on them. No one's going to fuck them. And they're just, they pay you five bucks to just uh, keep an eye on their car while they're... And if you handle that responsibility, maybe you start parking cars. If you handle that responsibility, maybe you start blowing up cars. And, and then, take, then you're taking a package across town, right? You know, here's, yeah. here's a new pair of, of Italian leather shoes. Uh, take this across town and... That's it. Don't ask questions. Yeah, and it's like at each step of it seems like it's easy money and it's fun. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, now you're like, hey, here's some free cigarettes. Go sell them on the quarter. Make yourself some money. Uh, of course, when you get pinched, then it's like it's like they're going to school where they teach you everything opposite that you're taught in public education. You know, like, what are the shortcuts? Where do you get ahead? Where do you use people? Uh, never call the, the talk to the cops. Never snitch. Never. And this like whole it's almost like a graduation ceremony when he gets arrested for the first time, gets pinched. And I love how he starts to go up to talk like the you know, it's like they're hearing this kid's case and he starts to go up to represent himself. And this like mob lawyer in a ten thousand dollar suit glides in and like grabs his shoulder and like sits him down and you can see i love his look at the judge and the judges look at him like okay this is uh this is not this is not justice we're going to dispense today it's it's amazing and they just they get they treat this kid like he's combination graduated high school and gone through his bar mitzvah Mm mm-hmm you know, like this, this huge celebration of getting his quote unquote cherry popped by, by go, going into the slammer and, and, uh, you know, never ratting on his friends and keeping their mouth shut. And he kind of passed the test. So, yeah, you talked um, about some of the narration. I, I had a problem. I, I don't know if this is Amazon's problem or the movie's problem, but I was watching hmm. it on Amazon and the narration was much louder than the dialogue uh, in the movie. I, I, huh, I, don't, I, I don't know why that. they can't get these mixes right. Dude, Amazon's the worst. Like, I don't, and it's so weird because were you, um, I imagine we watched it on very similar sound systems. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know what yours is, like, your mix and all that stuff is, is set up. I, I didn't notice that, but I do notice that Amazon is among the worst as far as like the mixes being all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know we're not part, we're not past the, um, young Henry stuff yet, but I, I can't remember where this happens. And correct me if it doesn't happen when he's young, but, there's a couple of scenes of foreshadowing early on. One of them is where somebody tells him the two greatest things in life, which is never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. That's is when that he to the, the young when, Henry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he pulls him out, like he's like 13 or 14. And he pulls him out of jail for the first time. Yeah. And I immediately was like, okay, well, you know, ha- having seen this movie, but not for a long time and not remembering any of it, uh, I was like, well, that's coming back. You know, he's going to probably rat out. And then when um, th- there's another scene where, you know, t- he's talking to Tommy and the 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 quintessential like, oh, you, th- you think I'm funny? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what's funny about me? You know, huh? Um, And then afterward, you know, when they reveal it's all a joke and 
he's like, oh, you, you, I got you. I had you going. You were scared. You'd probably fold under questioning. And I was like, oh, yeah, they're I know where they're going with this. Yeah. And I don't yeah, know if that and everyone... obviously that's the the writer in Pelegi or Pelegi or Scorsese or somebody coming out and doing that. Right. That's not like. Oh, yeah, for thing sure. From real life. Um. I, I I think you're right, especially since like uh, the laughter and, and subsequent watches like seems so forced. Yeah, but I, I don't know, because like Joe Pesci uh, as Tommy is legitimately hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's like one of those guys. I've known a lot of guys like in fact, my granddad's uh, the, the, the one that passed away last year it reminds me a lot of this and that like granddad being legit mad at you is almost indistinguishable from grandpa just busting your balls. Yeah, like, and a lot of times, like, uh, teen the teenage grandsons would get in trouble because at some point you start like busting the old man's balls back a little bit on the construction side or whatever. And like, when you got him, when you you can't tell the difference between him joshing with you and him like, no, seriously, I'm I'm fucking pissed. Uh, things can go badly for you really quick. And uh, I can't imagine like, I can't imagine like choosing to live a significant fraction of your life with a guy like this construction of Joe Pesci. Uh. Yeah, because it's when he's, super fun when it's fun, but holy shit! Yeah, and and you know, like like you're describing there, when he's joking, he almost gets mad at you. So, so any little thing will set him off, right? And he'll right. literally like he shoots Spider for not bringing him a drink, essentially. Um, and that that whole thing spirals out. But like when you can't tell when someone's joking, and then when they are joking, and you don't react to that as a joke, and they get pissed. And you know that whenever they get pissed, they could just literally shoot you. That is yeah. such a volatile situation. I I couldn't live that way. There, there's no way I could live around someone like this. Yeah, and I was just thinking like that that famous scene about like, am I clown to you? Do I amuse you? Um, because it's not just that you can't tell the difference, but like he actually goes further and he has meta jokes about the fact that you can't tell the difference and he fucks with you that way. Mm-hmm. Like Henry gets to this point where he's like kind of scared, like, God damn. And then he finally is like, oh, you're bullshitting me and everyone let cracks up. But like if he read that wrong uh-huh. and Tommy was actually taking him to task, he would have gotten plugged. Yeah. And... It also kind of makes Robert De Niro's character much more impressive that he can actually kind of slap like, you know, when Tommy really fucks up, like when he kill, eventually yeah. kills Spider, he can be like, the fuck is wrong with you? Are you insane? Are you just like, what is the hell? Like that he can do that. Like, like uh, Tommy has so much respect for him that he can Jimmy can take him to task and not not not, not have any repercussions from it. Yeah, it's they, kind they of interesting. Grew up together and, you know, they they trust each other they know each other yeah for sure it's not that it's like he's his uncle i think it's like it's uh you know you never meet the um, tommy's dad but i feel like that jimmy is the one like maybe tommy is the screw up the black sheep of the family and uh jimmy being the irishman right he can't run his own so it's like kind of like ah let you know let's, let's give him to jimmy let, let let jimmy sort him out uh it, 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 there's something to that um yeah to the point it doesn't where feel- like i was shocked that they were even considering making him uh in this movie i'm like what do they see in him like are, are they just trying to make him to keep him off the streets uh because he's too mm. much of a lunatic to like maybe he'll settle down a little bit if he doesn't yeah. ever have to go out and do anything right 
But, right. you know, by the end, it's revealed that that's just a ruse. It's turned out it's a la ruse. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, can you even imagine Tommy? Like, this is the way he carries himself when he's not a made man. Yeah. If he gets made and he's untouchable, oh, God. He would turn, it would be, it, they, somebody would, 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 would whack him. There'd be a sit down. You'd have to. There'd be a talk. And there would be, uh, there, there would be. There'd be violence done to him because what what else are you going to do? He's he he's just the type of guy to whack a judge in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you can't like the mafia is many things, but stupid not usually. Um, but I, I do like this Jimmy, and they they have like different feels like Jimmy, especially early movie Jimmy, because he is this Irishman, he is this outsider within this very insular organization. I felt like they did a good job with his characterization that he's always overcompensating, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, sure. The big, the, the made men, the big, the the Peziovantes, they're they splash cash, but not like Jimmy does. Jimmy's handing out hundred dollars to the doorman. And so you brought him a drink. Here's a hundred dollars. He's ingratiating himself to people because he needs to do that. He can't command that respect. He's never going to be a made man. And I love how they show the different energy of like uh, Tommy comes across very entitled. Uh, thinks that he's just going to skate through life and not a single problem. He's invincible. Where Jimmy feels vulnerable, and I wonder if that's why, uh, because the, it, by the end of the movie, they're both monstrous in different ways. Mm. Like, Jimmy's turned into this paranoid, reclusive, crazy person, and Tommy has always been crazy, but he gets whacked before you know he can reach his full potential of awfulness. Um, but I thought that was really the way they established Jimmy as this big, flashy spender, and like Henry obviously gravitates towards that. Do you believe they're trying to pass off Robert De Niro as 28 years old in this movie? It's a 47-year-old Robert De Niro at that point. How old is Ray Liotta when they shot this film? Because they try to pass him off as 20 years old uh, when he first meets Karen. I'm like, this ain't. There's, that's, that, that guy's eyes are... The, the sunken eyes are 40 years old at least. I mean, he's probably in his <laughs> mid-30s, right? Uh, let's see when he was born. He's born in 1954, so he's like 11 years younger He's like 36 in this movie. Okay. Yeah, and he's he, I don't think he convincively pulls off a 21-year-old uh brash mobster guy. What would you rather but it have works. Them, them just like claim, "Hey, this 47-year-old De Niro is 28, just roll with it and maybe do a little makeup and lighting or do what the Irishman did and like digitally de-age them?" If you can digitally, I think it's that always works better. Um, yeah. Both approaches, because you know, you I rem- I remember when we watched Rear Rear Window, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Stewart's supposed to be like a late twenties war reporter, adrenaline junkie, hard charging, and he's like fifty years old or something crazy. Uh-huh. Um, and like I, I and he, that's that happens several times in A Wonderful Life. He plays like an eighteen year old when he's in his <laughs> mid forties, right? And they don't do anything. They don't do anything yeah. to try to hide it. They just tell you like they they put some shoe polish in his hair and they dress him in a college sweater and like there's Jimmy Jimmy Stewart he's 18 years old you fuckers <laughs> tell me otherwise right sure. um so so it works and like once you like your mind notes like oh oh he's supposed to be 18 oh okay um so it it definitely works but like I do always feel like it's better to go with a little makeup it's better to do a little digital I thought the stuff they did in Irishman was fantastic it was um, I I think it worked better when the actors are a little bit younger I, I think too extreme of a digital de-aging can be a problem like the movement of of human beings changes as they age um, but we yeah, talked like all Martin about Scorsese, that in the Irishman podcast. Which if he oh. did Goodfellas now instead of 1990, the D, and and they were all that age, it would be amazing. 
Yeah. Like they could d- age him down 15 years, no problem. Age him up 15 years is exactly what that movie needed. Yeah. Um, but this is this is young man Henry. Uh, this is there's another like this is slightly less famous one shot, but I love the one where they're going through the gangster club and they're talking about like uh, you know you you meet all the characters. It's like a Dick Tracy film. Here's Fat Andy, Frankie the Wop, Freddie the Nose, Pete the Killer, Nicky Eyes, Jimmy Two Times, and they all like you instantly kind of like that's gangsters, man. It's like what is your most prominent psychological quirk or physical feature? That's you. Mm-hmm. That too. Like I'd be, I'd be Aaron the beard probably, or the gut. I don't, yeah. I don't know. What would you, what would you be? Uh, I don't know. My my dad grew up around this type of. Uh, community. Do you have a nickname for you? It, he, they had a nickname for him. Yeah, he's Blackie because he had jet black hair. What did he? Did he ever come up with a nickname for you and your brother? Like, did he have, no. give you a mafia? No, he didn't. No. Ah. Um, but I, I don't know. There's like, um. Uh, they also show like again the way the mafia works and there's like m- multiple tragedies when the within the overall arcing one with henry but like this guy that uh joe pesci is just terrorizing his bar and running up multi-thousand dollar tabs and he goes to Polly to ask and it's like it's such a great scene because henry is taking this guy like he's going to help and what he's doing is signing his business's death warrant yeah and the guy begs him to do it mm-hmm. he absolutely begs him like come on paul i just need to you know you just sign you don't have to do nothing i'll take care of everything and then suddenly it's like uh getting infected by one of those brain funguses with the uh, like the last of us or the ants like he once he signs that it's over yeah. like the mafia is just going to pump and suck every little bit of juice from this business and then when it's over cash the insurance check and they keep on like it's funny because like the mafia doesn't care about maximizing their revenue because it's literally all free money. Sure. They don't worry about like, hey, they got a I got a twenty dollar carton of cigarettes here. I shouldn't sell it for ten, I should sell it for fifteen because it's still or hell I could sell it for eighteen, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh people people drive across the street to save a nickel on gas, but they don't care because they didn't pay for any of it. It's infinite profit. Like Proposition Joe's buy for one, sell for two, buy for nothing, sell for whatever the hell you want. You just made infinite profit. It's insane. Yeah, and, and you know, you're satisfying customers uh, in a way that businesses that need to be profitable can't. Um, you know, businesses that have costs can't. Uh, so, so you know, next time they want something, they're coming to you for it, right? Um, and, and then also, yeah, you'd think like they might have been more long-term uh, stable and successful if it weren't for that tendency, right? To just kind of not think about it, just get the profit where you can get it. And then tomorrow's another day. We'll figure it out. Um, I get that, that, that sort of thing is, is done in those circles, but it seems strange Mm -hmm. to me because like, what if you could get, you know, 3% of every business in, you know, uh, Chicago or New York or something, right? Like you'd be much better off in the long term. Just, they don't think that way. But they do that too, right? Because that's like when you go Sometimes. around the block and get protection money. You're like you're getting like five percent of the take, and then but they don't when care somebody... if that protection money runs you out of business. Like that's the thing. Like that's true. It's fuck you pay me. It's right? fuck you pay that's me. That's the yeah. whole. Um, and then that will I love that know, part close too. their revenue stream eventually if if it comes to that, and they don't mind. And that's always seemed strange to me. Because the whole like, and I don't know, like if this is a very like New Jersey East Coast thing, but it does seem like this is much more Robin Hood than. 
Um, because I think of like uh, the Corleone family as portrayed in The Godfathers, and it was all like interlocking. We got protection, we got mm-hmm. girls, we got gambling, we got the influence game. Like it's just like it's a brick fucking wall. This seems more of just kind of like Viking raiders. Like we're just going to steal shit off these trucks yeah. and work our you know work our union contracts to like keep the fuzz off of us, keep the businesses like like they are a little bit like have the awareness of a parasite because like if they stole literally every like he said something like there's this great line it's like fifty billion dollars of of business came through this airport and we did our best to steal it all, but obviously. They don't. It's got to be something that the businesses are is a cost of business or else the airport goes under. And then what do they do? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Do you, I, I always felt like when I was watching Godfather that like Marlon Brando's Don Vito was smart enough not to kill the host. Yeah. And like these 70s gangsters and maybe it's because you're supposed to understand this is the beginning of the end. Right. You know, this is what drugs, this is the stuff that this is God, the shit that, Vito that was worried about. Yeah. This is the shit that like bring like like this that destroys that brick wall is that uh, if you make it impossible to do legitimate legitimate business, then, you know, you're at the, there's like a, a rising tide rises all boats. Well, you know, a, a, a low tide sinks all of them yeah. and you can't have that. But um, the other thing I really admire about Martin Scorsese's gangster films, and they, they, they usually do this. There's a few notable exceptions, but they have a a, a fairly well-written woman at the yeah. heart of it. Mm-hmm. Like Karen, and she's got agency. Cause like you, you do, she has the wool pulled over her eyes, but not anything like Kate in the Godfather where no. she literally doesn't know what she's dealing with until the doors close at the end of the movie. Like right. she gets like, um, she definitely gets the first hit free, but like she's got, there's flashing red warning signs that you should get out and she blows past them all. And she kind of has like there's the the like her perform like most gangster films I feel like the women serve only as a way to apply pressure to the men like oh if you don't stop this I'm gonna take your I'm gonna take your kids I had an abortion Mike it's like it's just the the juice a little emotional drama where Karen felt like she has her own agency and she is a well developed character and she has like that scene oh my god that scene where she <laughs> she sticks up. Uh, Henry with the gun mm-hmm. uh, like she can be scary in the same way that Henry can be scary and the way that like Kate like the worst she could do is like threaten to leave you and then you know then Michael just like nope you're not going to do it you're out you're never seeing your kids again and that was the resolution of that movie until Godfather 3 this it's like nah man you you sleep on Karen she'll fucking kill you and also what'd you make of that scene where um, Polly and Jimmy come to Henry at his mistress's pad and it's like hey Look, we get it. We get it. We get what you're doing here, but you got to stop this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's that why? tug of war between like the freedom that they all have, right, and keeping shit together. Um, I, I don't know. That's the thing that I noticed about it. it. It was. It seemed to be like they didn't want to limit him, but also all of them recognize that the shit he's doing is causing them problems, and it's going to cause more right, like, if he continues. If one of the wives go bronco what says that they're not because like they do make his point like they're i feel like these gangster wives their life is an eternal tupperware party mm-hmm. like and, and and as exciting as that is like it's a facsimile of like a socialite life it's like this low rent kind of cheap version of it but like if any of them and then they're all clearly like they, that's there's this great pastiche scene where she's going after they get married. There's that first one she's sitting in and she's talking about like, oh, you know, they got this bad skin. They got the bad hair. They got the cheap clothes. They got the terrible kids. 
Um, if any of them would start to think like, hey, what if we did something different? What if we found, uh, you know, what if this life isn't all there is to it? It would destroy them all. And it's also something tied up, which I don't really understand the this uh, machismo kind of thing where it's like, hey, you know, you can have mistresses at this on the side, but you got to go home to your family. Yeah. You know, you, you find a girl that'll give you a blowjob because, you know, you're, you, you don't want the mother of your kids kissing, kissing your kids like that. But like, you got to have, you got to, just got to respect. It's the mother of your kids. I, I don't fully understand that almost religiosity that's tied up in it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. That family angle is something that they're definitely, uh, you know, serious about. But yeah, I love that scene when she realizes, you know, what what kind of life she's in and that this is kind of it for her. And then I equally love that scene where she finds out about Janice, I think is is his mistress's name and she goes to the uh-huh. apartment and she's screaming uh-huh. to the superintendent like, "Do you know you yeah. have a whore in 2B? <laughs> you Rossi the whore is living in 2B?" No, it's like this so um... good. It's funny because I don't know. Maybe Godfather, I got the wrong impression because Kate's not a mafia girl. She's not a mafia Don's wife, and they make that point clear. Like yeah, yeah. Don Vito doesn't have problems with his wife because she's she's a made woman, man. She she takes all this shit in stride. Um, I feel like Karen, they establish her as kind of like a, a, a mafia wife because she's like she'll hunt you down in the streets and slap you up and be like, "You stood me up," and she mm-hmm. will go after your mistress and try to kill her. And she will stick a gun in your face and do all that kind of stuff. It's like, again, yes, she was excited by the glamour and the lifestyle and the danger of Henry, but she has a little bit of that built into her as as, as well. Yeah, um, I do. Ha- I do have a question. And then I, I love like all this stuff he's playing around with this this these uh, uh, th- this this uh, this woman character. They he kind of perfects in Kim Basinger's uh, performance in, in uh, Casino. Hmm. But there's a couple of questions I still, as many times as I've watched this movie, I don't understand. Like for example, why does Henry and her live with their parents for like the first X amount of their married life? That seems an ins- that's it seems an insane thing to do. He's got money. Yeah, I couldn't tell if he didn't quite have enough money uh, at that time, but he's flashing cash and giving twenty dollars so tips much on cash. the date. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure either. He's got enough juice to to get a custom. I mean, we didn't talk about it. Like, I feel like it's so famous you don't have to, but like, it's a tour de force him entering that club, and it's not like they get they have a reserve table. Right. They make a table right in the middle of the dance floor. And I love how like there's other people that had front row seats mm-hmm. and like the, wi- the 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 women that they're dating are like shooting daggers at Henry and uh, uh, Lorraine Bracco, Karen. Um, but they're 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 men. The men are stone faced because they're like, I'm not going to say a damn thing. Well, they get like, this is highly outrageous. Right, right, like right. They, right. Yeah, they shake they, his hand and say, great to see you, because like, even though he's plopping down right in front of him. He's the main right, you, right. If you don't it's, do it's, that, he might feel like you don't properly respect him, and then you and you might not respect his crew, and then that to how much does that go to Polly, and then you get Polly worked up, and it's all over. But yeah. I do. I, it, it's it's one of the funniest scenes. I crack up every single time where he comes home to Karen's like Jewish mother, like berating him about wow he's no man, and he just like he comes to the door, and he just does an Abe Simpson, he just walks right back out, and just starts yeah. laughing hysterically. Um, 
but then you know then they get a they get a house um yep. but I, there's it's also like i don't know because I, I think that's something interesting about karen is she is a lot of times the ideal mafia wife but she also is not because like the the difference between the way she treats the feds like hey come in here's a cup of coffee mm-hmm. uh yep you got your warrant all right i'm gonna go sit here in the living room where, where the others are like spitting on them and throwing things at them it's like she's a little bit smarter than your average mafia wife maybe um yeah she's cut from a slightly different cloth even though she has that same gear too also seems maybe like you said a little more interested in being that um and and they they make a point about how it all becomes normal after a time you know it's not even it's it's the the frog boiling in the pot uh like you see enough strange things that you go hmm okay that's a little weird like he's staying out all night but he's with his buddies you know big no big deal it's busy it's a union contract normal it's, yeah yeah he's a union rep there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. you've got a lot of labor disputes to settle one way or another right uh i, I love this scene this like another funny scene of uh her it, it, it's kind of like this port, part of the movie is her transformation from, you know, kind of wide-eyed uh, Jewish girl growing up in New York and J- Jersey to, like, mafia wife. But that part where he's going off to work and she's like, can I get a, a little bit of money? And he's like, how much? And she, like, gestures like an inch-thick stack of bills. Uh-huh. And then she goes to get, like, he's got to go, he's got to go. And she starts trying to give him a blowjob. He's like, uh-oh, all right. I just... Uh-huh. <laughs> that Ray, Ray Liotta performance is so fucking funny, and then it's mirrored with his mistress, like in the next act. Uh, yeah. I think I, it's it's great. Um, do you want to um, move on to Henry at the height of his power? Because, uh, like I said, the the high water mark is when they get married, but he hasn't actually got to the 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 heights of his power. Um, this is the scene where kind of, but things go wrong. This is like uh, Adam and Eve eating the apple, right? When Tommy gets into the fight with the other made man over the shine box stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm actually somewhat impressed by how much restraint Tommy showed in this. Like Tommy is very aware of the danger he's in. Um, and it's all he can do to sit down and buy the guy drinks. And then when he turns around and it's like, you know, after he establishes, like, hey, if I really wanted to insult you, I'd tell you to go get your shoe shine box. And they have like, and like, you know, Robert De Niro's done everything he can to kind of be the diplomat. It's like, you know, yeah, he's a little bit, you were kind of out of line too, blah, blah, blah. And everything's kind of calmed down and like, five, like there's this long beat and he, he, he uh, calls back over his shoulder. Yeah, now go get your fucking shine box. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's on. Um, did you think this guy's pretty dumb for allowing like Jimmy and Henry to keep him there past close? Like it felt like it should, it felt like some of these guys should be smarter about seeing some of the danger they're in. Well, um, he's a made man. Like, don't, don't forget that aspect. Like he thinks he is literally untouchable. This is like the red wedding in game of Thrones. Like the fact that somebody would actually betray you, like again, like against the, the only laws that matter in these neighborhoods, like, and against that, that their he own, just, sense of security right like if tommy betrays him he's he's a dead man yeah Um, yeah. so yeah like Uh, being a made man like that's the difference between bats staying there and and feeling invincible versus bats leaving because tommy's probably coming back with a gun yeah but i just feel like tommy at this eight his at this stage in his career they should have like this guy should have known but maybe he did and he just he was feeling it too because he just got out of jail and he's getting like toasted by everybody and he's kind of full of himself, probably a little drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's funny because like this is an insanely violent sequence. This like uh, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci stomping this guy into the linoleum and then stabbing him and shooting him. But also has one of the funniest scenes where Tommy shows up at his mom's house at 3 a.m. to get a shovel. Yeah. Did you know that this woman is actually Martin Scorsese's mom, Catherine Scorsese? I found that out. And his dad's also in the film. He's the prison cook. Oh, I wondered about. Okay. I can. Oh, you know what? I can see it. Uh He looks exactly like Martin Scorsese does right now. Yep. For sure. Um, (laughs) But I thought there's an interesting note where Martin uh, Scorsese said that he didn't tell his mom what the setting of the scene he's not he didn't say hey your son's got a body in the caddy out in the front yard he said all you know is your 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 son has showed up at uh three o'clock in the morning with his friends what are you going to do well you're going to cook food for all of them mm-hmm. and there's this detail like um like tommy and uh henry are eating like italian but she's made a whole separate irish thing for jimmy i can't remember what it is but like he's eating something different because oh you won't like all this meatballs and stuff let me fry up some potatoes or some shit i don't know what you'd make um Hmm. (laughs) they get the dog there's this dog painting scene it's like it just stays on forever um and i i i love it i don't know i i think it's this black scene, but it's got this hilarious uh, humor and Martin Scorsese's mom kind of makes it all work. Uh, Mm -hmm. I guess a lot of that stuff, a lot of this dialogue, especially was um, improvised like Robert De Niro coming in with like, it's the hoof. Cause he's talking like, ah, the deer's, the deer's feet, you know, we got the guys stuck in It's like, Oh, it's the hoof, uh, Tommy. Mm -hmm. Um, But just to realize like how insane these people's lives are that like they bury this guy and then the property gets sold for real estate development. So six months later, they got to go back and dig up this decomposing corpse. Yeah. And I even love Tommy, like, uh, you know, Henry's out there puking and Tommy's like, hey, after this, we'll go back and get some greasy food and we'll do. It's like, no, oh, it's 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 hilarious. Mm-hmm. So at this point in the movie, like I said, this is the original sin that eventually brings them all down or brings their, uh, you know, kind of is, is the biggest contributor to the decline of the crew. Um, but what actually brings them down is something really stupid. And I like this detail that like they beat up some guy who was the brother of an FBI court recorder. And it's like one of those things where um, like if you're a civilian and some uh, punk on the, uh, says something to you and you're like, fuck you. And you find out he's like the made man, a made man's nephew. And now you're finding yourself getting beat to death and thrown into a ditch. Yeah. It's that on the other side, you happen to piss off somebody that's got suction in the legit side of the world. And now the full wrath of the federal government's coming down and everyone goes away. Everyone goes away. Um, but it's this distinct kind of like nice, like almost intermission of these gangsters in prison and showing that like it's in prison. It's kind of a bummer, but their life doesn't really fundamentally change. Sure. Still living high off the hog or still eating. They're hanging out with their guys. They're listening to their baseball games. Yeah, what doesn't make sense the, to me- the guards bribed, like they're getting whatever they want, whenever they want it. What doesn't make sense to me is why they they let Henry twist in the wind in prison. This seems like the stupidest course of action you can take if you're they're like worried about him turning or whatnot, and they're forcing him into like this life of selling drugs to make ends meet because like they're not and not even just him but like uh, Karen's trying to go to Polly and Jimmy and they're stonewalling they're not giving him any they're they're telling her to go on welfare and shit. Mm-hmm. Do you have any inside information about like why this seems? Not very gangster, not very cash money of you, Polly. Yeah, no, I'm with you. An organization that's all about loyalty. Um, 
you would think that there would be some loyalty toward the family of, uh, yeah, part of your crew that's in prison, but doesn't seem like it. No, and Henry acts like, um, I, I wonder if it's, I wonder if the reason he's getting left to twist in the wind is because Polly already knows about this drug stuff. And he's like, you're Could doing be. it the wrong way. Because um, they have this conversation after he gets out and he's like, everything seems like fine. And it's it's a completely polar opposite of the experience he has as a 13 year old coming out of prison. You know, like he goes into prison and and he's fine when the big guys are there. But after they bail out and he's left there, he's left twist twist to win. This feels like I, I don't know. I don't know why they're freezing him out. It's because he's just probably scared to death to get caught up with this this drug stuff. Maybe I, they make it pretty clear that Polly doesn't know about the drug stuff either. Um, at that time, right? Like, until... but he does. He does because when he gets out of prison, the first thing he says is like, "I understand what you had to do in prison. You had to do." But that implies yeah, like he didn't say he's like, "Hey, kid, there's a right way to do it in the wrong way, and you did the wrong way. And now you need to come correct." It's like you had. To, we all understand you have to do that because you're in prison. There's some, there's something in this movie. Maybe someone can send in an email to host at baldmove.com, like a, a gangster. A real gangster. I guess I could read the fucking book. But, like, there's something that's weird about how they just let him twist because I feel like well, Polly, that's also the... Th- he's he's also in there for a while, right? He gets out after a year, and then I think he's on parole. So he if he gets caught, you know, associating with felons, I assume, um, he'll he'll be sent back that's, for much longer. So, that's yeah, I can see maybe he distances himself from that. Yeah. Yeah, but I just feel like that, um, I don't know, maybe the FBI still got the juice on it, but I feel like that they should be able to, like, take care of the parole officer. Like, Henry clearly doesn't give a shit about reporting to his parole officer or keeping his nose clean. Of course, then again, Henry gets gets pinched later on. Yeah. Um, but this is, like, the beginning of the end, you know? Um, he gets out, and now he's got his own thing going, and he's got uh, he's got Jimmy and Tommy in with it, and they're all doing this underneath Polly's nose. And just everything, like, their house, huh. it's, like, it's the most garish. Like, you can tell it's brand new, and it's, like, 1980s, but this stuff is, like, late 70s stuff, and it's just so yeah. gross. And I mean, this is um, the perfect house for this guy. Like, he's a cokehead. He... Like, of course he gets a yeah, fucking white right. Christmas tree, right? Like, of course he does. Yeah, yeah, of course he does. It's the ugliest Christmas tree you can buy. Yeah, and uh, they do this big heist, this big Christmas heist that makes everybody rich. Um, but it fucks with them because, like, why does Jimmy start whacking everybody? Because I feel like I've, I've seen. I, I feel like I keep changing my mind because the movie has two perspectives, and at this point, Henry becomes an unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. And it's only like the last two times I've watched this movie, I kind of fully realized, um, like what all the shit was going on. Because there's a scene where Henry's internally narrating to us that like Jimmy is being a real hard ass about these guns, and he's going to have me waste my time getting these guns, and I'm taking like 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 um. Uh, Jimmy's a crazy one, but what is clear to me is that Henry just half-assed it. He bought guns that didn't have threads for the silencers, mm-hmm. and Jimmy's like, "What are you doing? You got these drugs?" On. But his that that's like almost a subtext to the movie. It's like literally Henry is talking over, and it just it paints a picture of like Henry's really slipping, but he's on so many drugs that he doesn't really understand. And I wonder because there's like yeah. two points that like Jimmy's afraid because he's trying to isolate anyone that could tie him to the job. And and uh, that also, and I also think he's getting also greedy. He's greedy. And, yeah, like like he wants the money. And also, I think it's around that time when we find out that Tommy's going to be a made man. 
And so he's not just getting greedy, but feeling more and more like close to power, right? He's feeling that power within his grasp. And I think that's feeding into the greed. And he just starts saying, well, fuck it. I, you know, none of these people deserve this. I'm taking it all. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's, that's the impression I get that it's like a combination of greed and power going to his head. And and from here on out, this movie is, becomes one of the most stressful things to watch in the world because the full paranoia of the mafia lifestyle is on display. Like, you will never be more loved than the day they put a gun to your head and squeeze the trigger. Yeah. Like, you will never see it coming because, like... Um, in fact, Tommy realizes at the very end... I, I guess it's because he, he walks into the room and it's empty. Like, I, I don't... Yeah. If there's, like... Um, supposed to be like he's expecting a whole bunch of fat Italian dudes and and poorly tailored expensive suits with like uh, did they have like some kind of masonry right where they have like silk scarves and wafers and communions and I don't know what the ceremony uh, is but yeah I mean look at every other be celebration something. in this movie and there's you know a yeah. hundred people in the room waiting with their hands out to greet you a big big open hugs big kisses on the cheeks he walks into an empty room here and he knows he's dead um this uh yeah but it's a, it's a great scene because he's like you know he hasn't going up to his mansion he's joshing with the old timers and he's talking about it and like again like it's all a great time until that door opens and he sees the room's empty and he's like oh fuck and then it's over yeah um is this movie a christmas movie jim we should talk about this at this point because this is there's a crisp there's two christmas songs played mm-hmm. prominent christmas lighting it's happening at christmas there's actually two christmas different christmas gifts scenes. given christmas gifts being given a christmas tree is being set up I don't think this is a Christmas movie, though, because the plot is not tied into the Christmas aspect. Um, yeah, the most you can say it's tied in is that they kill those people who gave the gifts and bought the cars and the furs and stuff like that. But yeah, not a Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, it's the, it, it, we switch in the late stage, Henry, where is this helicopter legit? Is it actually a thing? Because I kept on noticing this is another one where I, I really was paying attention this time, and I noticed there's like three different helicopters. It's yeah. not the same one. It's like a news and, chopper, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, like if the FBI was tailing you um, or the the uh, the DEA, like I don't think they would have like black helicopters with DEA on the underside of it. It would probably be you know like unmarked kind of. So I I still don't know whether. How much of this stuff is him screwing up and how much of this stuff is him imagining things and being paranoid? Because they clearly, like, uh, they make it seem like Karen didn't have to flush all that dope down the toilet. Um, Well, I mean, Henry says that, but I think she did the right thing. I think she did the right thing, too. Um, And also, like, how how the hell is she supposed to know that Henry's down to his last $60,000, you know? Like, what... I mean, you can clearly see that they're spending it as fast as they're making it, but holy hell, mm-hmm. no rainy day fun whatsoever. But again, you're not like this is this is like trying to critique a drug addict because that's exactly what it is. Like Henry is just way the fuck gone at this point in the movie. And, um, and it's like the money comes and goes in that life, right? Like, yeah, you know, you make it you make it on Tuesday, you spend it on Wednesday, on Thursday, there's going to be another job coming around to make twice as much you know right it's, it's not there's like there's no bank money is scarce you don't have a you don't have a bank account <laughs> no no and there's there's plenty no. of opportunity to make money out there you just got to go find it and i think that's how they live kind of on that edge do you think that the deal with karen dresses do you think that jimmy was trying to whack her 
Or oh, is yeah. this her being paranoid? Oh, really? I okay. do. Yeah. I thought there'd be a little bit more debate on that. Um, but what do you why? Think? I mean, it plays identically. Like if Jimmy wants her to go take a look at some dresses because he just stole a truck full of dresses and he goes down to the abandoned shop where there's dudes unloading boxes and crates and stuff. Are they there to kill her? Or are they just unloading ill-gotten goods and getting it ready for resale? Like, no, that's a fair I question, think that's but the I think- point. I th- I think that's the point in the paranoia he's trying to like it's when if you're Karen, if you run, then you have turned your back and now you're a target. Mm-hmm. But if you go along with it, you might get capped or you might get some nice dresses. Uh, yeah, totally not worth it. Uh, like I'm not going to trade dresses for my life. Um, but you have to also remember that Jimmy is is also paranoid at this point. Right. And he's he's he whacking paranoid, people left but- and right. They abandoned Karen when she was in pri- or when Henry was in prison. So, you know, why yeah. would they suddenly step up and help her now that they need money and they're doing this drug stuff? Yeah, I, why I would think they kill her there's too? a lot of what, stuff there what, that says Jimmy's trying to kill her. Like, like killing Jimmy, kill, killing uh, Henry's wife doesn't really get them anything, you know? It doesn't make him come in. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's almost like a huge tell on their point, too. They're playing this game of like, hey, we're all friends, right? Everyone's playing. It's a game of chicken, and whoever blinks first reveals themselves as the, uh, the shitbag. Um so you think it's meant to like make Henry feel a little more at ease when they ask him to go to Florida or what? See, that's what I was thinking that like if if Jimmy gives like, you know, hey, here's a couple thousand dollars and some nice dresses and she goes and butters him. I, I look, I know he wants to kill Henry. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Sure. I'm just question. I'm just questioning whether the paranoia here is that, you know, that the, the she read the situation wrong. Um Maybe. I love the Nero on this stage with those giant g- giant glasses to make his his eyes look like an owl. I thought mm-hmm. that was a nice little characterization. Him getting older, um, but uh, there's yeah, an that airline scene like- ticket on on the same day. There's an airline ticket uh, that he gives to like the babysitter, right? Because she's going to do this drug deal or whatever for him. Right, fly the, down drugs. Yeah, the front of this thing is censored with a big fat black bar. And I was wondering why, and I looked it up, and apparently the airline wouldn't give them permission to use the logos because drugs and stuff, uh, which it is so ridiculous. And back then, they didn't have the tech to digitally alter this and remove it, so right. they just put a big, black, a big stupid black bar over it. I didn't even notice it, honestly. Um, God, I could not notice it. That's hilarious. Also, like, how dare anyone besmirch the reputation of the American right. airline business? You know, like, my God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was it. And like his, you know, him I never come back from Florida alive. Uh, this, this, the, at, at the end where he's like thinking about his life and he says when he goes into federal custody that all he has is a birth certificate and an arrest sheet. That's like the only, yeah. like, like making a mafia guy disappear must be super easy. Mm-hmm. Because it's like just one line in a database you got to delete. Um, and they're like, what did you make? Because there's nothing like this in the whole film. The fourth wall break that Henry does while he's testifying against the Polly and their their outfit. Yeah, I loved it. I, I almost thought it felt like he owned that courtroom in a way. Um, huh. like, like somehow, even though he was, you know, mixed up in this whole thing, he had found his way out. And he's he literally walking out of the situation, this room, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it doesn't end um, on that note. It it you know it, it eventually takes him through to to the witness protection program, and that's sort of a, his lament is that he has to be a normal schmuck now. So um, life as a schnook, and then they end yeah. with this really weird, poorly done, in my opinion, uh, 
blow up frame of Joe Pesci emptying a six shooter right at the camera. Mm-hmm. I guess it's an homage what? to another movie uh, that I've oh, never is seen. it okay? All right, that makes sense because I'm like, it's got they got a dead character dressed in an outfit. He's I've never seen him in. I've never seen this guy wear a hat, and he's just emptying a revolver. Like, what is this saying? Like. If it would, if it was some nondescript guy, I think that would have been interesting because it's like the it, it's it's kind of like the it's nonsensical in the same way the end of Sopranos is nonsensical. Like it, it's, uh, but it does make sense if you think about it because I I subscribe. I don't know if you do. I subscribe that the end of Sopranos is, uh, you Tony know, gets shot. What, Tony getting whacked. Yeah, you know, I can't believe people fucking dispute that. But anyway, maybe you want to argue? Come find me on the internet. Uh, but I thought if it was just some like, you know, mafia goomba looking guy, it's like that would show the exit. Like, yeah, my life is a schnook, but also life is a schnook with everybody with like a gun behind perhaps every blade of grass. And they, they already established his paranoia and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't know. I thought I, I just I thought it was weird. But if it gets a, if it's an homage to another movie, then I guess it can be weird. Yeah, this movie for its runtime doesn't spend a lot of time dwelling on the paranoia of being in that life, um, you know, of being chased by the law, being potentially whacked by your own guys. Like, uh, there are a lot of movies, and Irishman is one of them, right? Like with the 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 stuff with uh, what's Al Pacino's character, the super famous union, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa, Jimmy Hoffa, yeah. Like th- they dwell on that stuff in that movie a lot mm-hmm. more. Um, this one it really has like two scenes that is all about that, but it's it's about so much more than that too. Yeah, it's almost like the the law is not a serious. They even said the wives is like anyone gets pinched. It's like it reminded me a lot of the um, in the book the right stuff. Every time one of the test pilots died and they get in the big the bar in the desert and they're talking about it, they never say like, oh, damn, man, our lives are insane. We're strapping these rockets between our legs and pushing them past faster than any other person's like this is it's inevitable. We're going to get smeared as a red stain across the desert floor. It's always like, uh, you know, he just didn't have the right stuff like uh, he wasn't able to handle the speed. He didn't like if, if I obviously you flip this switch instead of that switch and you bail like they tell themselves these stories and like felt like I was watching that amongst the mafia wives when they were saying things like, uh, you know, well, they just weren't they didn't have their they didn't have their shit together. They weren't organized. It's probably you know? about the illusion that's why control. they got pinched. Yeah, that's right. exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Um, but like you as a consequence, like the law never really feels like you never see cops in this film. Uh, it feels like yeah. an act like the it, it literally was an accident. It's like getting struck by lightning, how they landed in jail the first time. Mm-hmm. And then the second time around, it's because, you know, Henry wasn't organized. He lost his edge and started fucking around. Tell the movie, like I said, this this last forty five minutes or so, like I feel as sweaty as as uh, uh, Henry is trying to get back, and, and like just this insane like uh, this a stoner logic of like, well, I got to get my brother, and I got to cook, and I got to have the sauce on here, and I'll be right back, and it's like five o'clock, and he comes back at eight forty five, and oh, he's, he's got to get the lucky hats, and now he's there, and it's eleven, like they're eating like at one, like all the kids are around the table. It's like what an insane way to live. Yeah. They're even eating this big family dinner at one o'clock in the morning because you know, that's how long it took Henry to mix up all of his drugs and yeah, it's chaos. I don't know. Sweet talk his mistress into helping him, and then once he gets what he wants, he like literally come, grabs all his stuff, goes out the front door, laughing like the Grinch that stole Christmas. Like, uh-huh. what are you? You know, <laughs> like okay, 
Let's see if yeah. you can rope her in for the next batch. I don't know. It's a great movie, though. It's effortless to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, even like I said, the last and... it's. Yeah, like, maybe the first time through that last 45 minutes is like unbearable because I noticed like Cecily was squirming a lot more than I was because I was just like, yeah, this, this is part of the, this is all part of the ride, man. This is mm-hmm. the this is the roller coaster hill. This is why you why we're riding this ride. Right. But the first time you go down that hill, it's terrifying. And I really like the song choice at the end. Um, Right as the movie Mm. ends over the credits, they play this punk version by Sid Vicious of I did it, did it my way um, or Mm -hmm. my way, uh, which is, you know, a Frank Sinatra cover. Um, And and he's got such, you know, a, a strange distorted voice. It almost feels like a, like a bizarro world version of my way, right? Like my way landed him where he's at at the end of this movie, which is not in that life. Uh, that he he always wanted um yeah it's no. it's like this they're using it ironically almost um and i no, really I think that's a really that's a smart call out i didn't think about it but it also works as kind of like a commentary in the generational change like Polly's sure. frank sinatra henry sid vicious yeah they're both doing it their way but because like I, I've always thought it's fascinating that's that's uh they, they get into the good fellas like what if the mafia had not gotten into the drugs um, I don't know. Didn't you watch American Gangster? And I think Denzel Washington runs you out of town. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you if you stay out of the coke and heroin, then you know, like the like it's it's like there was no way to win because um, they still had this enormous like law enforcement. You get the idea that they've been waiting for them to fuck up since prohibition, you know, and now they are and they're getting in drugs and that's politically unfair. Like I, it's it's fascinating this. Um, it's almost like watching any other business, like uh, like you know, podcasts and the coronavirus. Like, what happens when uh, something outside your business uh, forces you to change rapidly? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if you're uh, an Airbnb in during the coronavirus, like you didn't do anything, you were making money hand over fist. Something external changed, and now you're fucked. Just start uh, whacking your, taxi your business partners. It, Better watch out. Taxi out. cab driver put put a million dollars for a medallion, and then Uber comes to town. Like right. it's. These, these, like it's like a, it's the di- it's the comet that hit the dinosaur. What do you do? Yeah. Uh, you 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 get replaced by a younger, nimbler. Yeah, um, it's it's a great film, and it's thirty years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, it, 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 if you don't like gangster films, I'm going to say this is like going to change your mind about it. Although I do think there are some, like I said, the fact that it has a fairly strong, well written. A woman at the heart of it is like a big change from like the Coppola stuff. Um, it is, it feels like light on the glamorization uh, compared to others. Like, you know, um, Michael Corleone, you kind of feel like if he, if, if he, he made a mistake or two, um, but you know, like it's more Greek tragedy where Henry just, he starts getting high in his own supply and yeah. things go sideways. Like it's, it, it's it is a little bit more of an unconventional gangster film a lot of it's you know it's hugely influential so it's like you know stuff that's been done at the death but if you want to see the 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 og mm-hmm. check it out it's great and it's the 30th anniversary it's best best time to do it um so that's a coverage of goodfellas next week uh it's kind of accident we didn't intend it to happen this way but uh, we're gonna have back-to-back scorsese um if you like goodfellas wait till you see the wall street version uh, decidedly more glamour, glamorous and glorification in this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next movie. These are these are like opposite ends of the glorification scale. We're going to do Wolf of Wall Street with Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Jonah Hill, etc. And 
uh, Margot Robbie. And we'll be back with that next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.